Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. And we are spreading the love today on Fantasy Baseball Today. Players we love. We're going to give you that one player that holds a special place in our hearts uh, here in the 2019 Fantasy Baseball season. Welcome, everybody, here on Thursday, March 14th. Adam, Scott, and Heath. No Chris Towers today, but I do know the player he loves, and I will be sharing it with all of you. We'll read some emails at the end of the show at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And I think that Heath is going to tell us that one of the players, or the player that he loves, got sent to AAA. Is that true, Heath? That is 100% true. Uh, you love you love AAA. AAA Fantasy Baseball. Well, I mean, I don't love it as much as you do. <laughs> like, like. Greg Bird, but That's I do right. love uh, the player that just got sent to AAA. All right, okay, so I know who your player is now. Yeah, I was thinking it was somebody different, and so I thought this was breaking news to me. But I, no, you everyone, love somebody Everyone else. knows you, who you, my player is already if they've listened to this podcast over this preseason. Yeah, I don't know. You, you're kind of you. You, you kind of been stringing some people along, I think. But it'll be it'll be interesting to hear. Well, yeah. who did you think it was going to be, Scott? Who did you think Heath's guy was? Uh, Jake Bowers. If uh, I was Jake Bowers and I heard the way Heath talk about me, I would assume I was his uh, his eternal love. But apparently there's somebody else out there. Yeah. I'd be feeling betrayed if I was Jake Bowers. Uh, who I, I definitely know who Scott's is. Do, how do you guys feel? Do you feel like you know who my player that I love will be? I mean, you can narrow it down to one of 25 players. <laughs> I think it's Greg Bird. It's not. It's not. I don't do repeats. <laughs> okay. Uh, also on today's show, uh, position battles, spring standouts. Chris Paddock is having an amazing spring. Uh, Scott wrote about Chris Hayes. Dan Vogelbach is once again having a good Austin. spring. Austin Hayes. Sorry, Austin Hayes. Um, yeah. Dan Vogelbach once again having a good spring. He leads all hitters in walks. Adam Eaton's having a good spring. So uh, we'll talk about some of these guys. I'm going to try to institute a new segment where we talk about players for 20 seconds at a time just so we can get to more guys that we haven't talked all that much about. And uh, news and notes. Francisco Lindor played in a AAA game yesterday. That was nice to see. Okay, let's do it. Players we love. And, Scott, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I feel mm. like, yeah, you know what? Saddleberto Modesty, isn't it? <laughs> How can I go with anybody else? I wrote a whole column. Yeah. On Adalberto Mondesi, how he's the most pivotal player in rotisserie and head-to-head categories leagues this year, just because he's his skill set is is one of a kind, really. the the potential the the potential line that he brings, stat line that he brings, is so useful in today's environment and just incapable of being matched by anyone, and that includes Trout and Betts. If you if you project out his numbers over basically half a season's time last year, it comes out to close to 30 homers and close to 60 steals. Obviously, he doesn't need to get anywhere near that pace to live up to his ADP. Uh, and, you know, the BABIP was a little high. He doesn't walk much. But there wasn't anything – there there isn't any major red flags in the batted ball profile. And even if you say, well, the minor league track record isn't great, yes, but – he was considered a high-end prospect during that time 
the break the breakout was presumed to be coming from scouts everywhere and his final year in the minors uh which was just i, I think 2017 the home runs they jumped. They jumped, and he carried it over to the majors, and he ran like crazy. He will continue to run like crazy because it's the Royals, and that's what they're built to do. I think even if you normalize the BABIP, even if you uh, you know, pull back on that home run and stolen base pace just because it's ridiculous, there's a very real chance he's a 250 hitter with 20 homers and 50 steals this year, which, my goodness, that that's... The, the, getting that number of steals from a player who also provides power and not having to use a first-round pick on it, that could totally make your season. I love that Alberto Mondesi. Aww. And even in points leagues, that upside is so high that, you know, he should go much later, but he's a good, great value where he tends to go. Uh, okay. I, I sort of wanted to not love Adalberto Mondesi just because it's a small sample size and it seemed to be surprising. Me too. Surprising. Me too. Yeah. But I, I'll join you. I'll be in. I'll be in, Scott. And not necessarily in points leagues because 11 walks, 77 strikeouts. And if he had played 155 games at his pace, he would have been the number seven shortstop in points leagues. That's not so good. Would have been a lot better in Roto. But uh, I do yeah. I do agree. Just being in the Royals lineup, he's not going to bat ninth because Billy Hamilton is in that lineup. You pointed that out before. He's going to steal bases. I just don't see how that mm-hmm. doesn't happen. So um, even if it's not, you know, 80 steals or it's, like you said, 50 steals, I, I don't see how that doesn't happen. You know, it's a lot, but it seems like a good, a good bet. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah I ahead. mean, he's, well, he's a great defender. He, they have no other options as shortstop. He's clearly a foundational piece. He's not losing his job. That's, and he's going to run if he's in the line. Like, that's the downside of Adalberto Mondesi is a ton of steals. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean. He's, I, I didn't want to love him at first either because I'm like, come on, he hasn't done it that much. It's just such a unique fit in today's player pool that you can't, you can't let it fall that far in drafts. All right, Heath, who's, uh, your AAA all-star? Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy where there's no question marks in his track record in the minor leagues. It's Eloy Jimenez. And yes, the White Sox just sent him down. I do not expect this to be a long visit to AAA because he's already proven that he's too good for AAA. Last year, 228 plate appearances. He hit 355 with a 996 OPS. In 108 minor league games last year, he hit 22 home runs. There's legit 300 with 30 home runs and Close to 100 RBI upside if he gets up the first week of the season. Maybe it takes two weeks. Maybe it takes three weeks. But I don't really think there's that big a concern even about the White Sox lineup in front of him because I expect he's going to hit behind Jose Abreu. This guy, in my opinion, is right there with Vlad. Maybe not for the long term, but definitely for this year. And the way that I determine who's the player I love is I just let the consensus rankings tell me. I'm 50 spots higher than him than the industry average. <laughs> Close to that much higher than him than ADP. He's available after pick 100 in most drafts that I'm not in. I'd take him in the sixth round and absolutely love it. I think he's going to be a contributor across four different categories and an absolute stud of a hitter. Just not steals? Just not steals. I, there's no reason to think he's really going to run. Okay. And he doesn't need, I mean, he's, he's not going to be on first base that much. <laughs> uh, Eloy, that's, that's often a bad thing, but in this case, it's a good thing. Eloy Jimenez, uh, is Heath's guy. So who do you think, uh, who do you think I'm taking? Um, Greg Bird. No. <laughs> James Paxton. 
I was thinking about can that, I, but can I, yeah, go ahead. Can I bring? Can I let the suspense build a little bit and bring up a point about Aloy Jimenez mm-hmm. that um, I, I think it's worth bringing up? You know, last year Ronald Acuna was in this position where okay, they're just waiting for the day when they've secured that extra year of team control and then they're going to call him up, but. Ronald Acuna and Chris Bryant was a high profile case of this a few years ago, too. What they both did in spring training was completely you know, knock the door down, made made their uh, teams look foolish for sending them back down. And Aloya Menes didn't have that spring. He had four hits in all of spring training. It, it was it was not a good showing at all. So I think it's going to be critical for him to hit the ground running at triple A to follow through on this timetable. If he gets off to a slow start, that like he, he's going to have to hit before he gets called up, I think. I'm just well, a little worried that it's going to happen quite as soon as, as we're hopeful it does. I think that, he's a great value, too. but That may be true, but it'd be completely stupid if it is because they're going to put one week's worth of plate appearances in AAA up against 220 from, two, from 2018. That might mm-hmm. be what the White Sox do, but it doesn't make any sense. Well, the numbers will eventually get there. I just I just think he's... He has to be hot before he gets called up. That's kind of what the Braves said with Acuna, too, because remember, after that great spring, he had a slow start, and it took like a week longer than we thought it would. But Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that doesn't ever happen. I'm just saying it's stupid yeah. if it does. Yeah. Okay, here we go. My player that I love is a veteran, a savvy veteran. I am all about the you, you Darvish. Uh, yeah, I think he's a really good option, especially if you don't love your pitching, if you missed out on aces and you feel like you need to take, like, you can talk about all these young pitchers with a lot of upside. You Darvish has been an ace before. I am willing to completely throw out last year. He was hurt basically the entire season. There are some concerns. There are definitely some concerns. The walks were too high last year, and so far in spring training, he hasn't pitched much, but the walks were a little high. Um, but, I don't know. I, I just have a lot of faith in him, and I think if you can get him as your number three, maybe even number four starter, he's being drafted after pick 100. Uh, I think it's a great pick, and you, Darvish, could end up just bouncing back from an injury-plague season and being a 200 strikeout, may, way more than that. He's got potential for a lot more than that. 350 ERA, 15 win kind of pitcher, top 20 pitcher, I think is very, very doable. And I think we all like you, Darvish. We all like you, Darvish. I love you, Darvish. <laughs> Yeah, we're all making eyes at him, but he's yours. <laughs> okay. I don't know. The only thing I don't know that I agree with is he has the potential for a lot more than 200 strikeouts. Just it, because we've really only seen him reach 200 innings once in his career. Uh, is that true? Uh, two, no, twice. Yeah. Twice. And 198 okay. three times. So, you know. I had him at 186 in 2017 and 191 oh, in I'm, 2012. I'm sorry. I included postseason. So okay. you're probably right. Yeah, I'm 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 totally stunned he lasts as long as he has because he was consistently drafted among the top 15 starting pitchers. He was part of that ace tier that we so often refer to every year, uh, and, and it's not a health thing because no limitations from the elbow. I mean, he's going to be ready to go. His velocity wasn't down at all last season. He did struggle on his eight starts, uh, but I, I feel like we got to the bottom of why. It was a mechanical issue. Couldn't find his release point. Seemed to fix it just before having the elbow issue. Um, yeah, I think I think he's he's kind of the uh, mid to late target. If if you're mapping, if you're if you're trying to create a roadmap of how to land as many uh, pitchers with 
legit ace upside. And I think the only way we know that a pitcher can be that in 2019 with all the, uh, you know, with workload increases, you know, you can't, you can't take those for granted. The only way we can know that in 2019 is if they've done it in the past. So, right. you know, you, you have your true aces that goes through Zach Granke for me. And then you kind of, you take like a Herman Marquez a little later, who was that in the second half last year. You take a Chris Archer, you take a, you Darvish even later. It's a, John Gray. John Gray is part of that group too. And, uh, I feel like you can put together that. That's your best chance of landing a, a starting rotation with tons of upside. Guys, let's do some news and notes, and let's go quickly here. And uh, I have a lot of segments. I want to make it kind of a fast-paced show because I also need to talk about AL only and NL only. We did our roto drafts for AL only and NL only leagues on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I have some takeaways. I'm just going to I'm going to tease it right now. What I found absolutely amazing about those drafts. Uh, let me just get the exact stat out. So if you look at Fantasy Pros average draft position, and you look at starting pitchers 13 through 38. That is a 26 starting pitcher range. 19 of them are in the National League. And that is where you can really build your pitching staff. Uh, and I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. News and notes. J.D. Martinez left with back tightness. Is anybody concerned? Not yet. Okay. Uh, Francisco Lindor played in a triple-A game. He did not run at full speed. Does he look like he's ahead of his timetable? Is anybody fired up about Lindor? I think he's right on his timetable. It's hard to know exactly what this means because they can modify the the terms of the game so much. Like he was only supposed to jog to first base if he got a hit. Uh, he no no ground balls were hit his direction, but he wasn't supposed to go all out on defense either. So I think this is mostly about making sure his bat is up to speed whenever he does clear those biggest hurdles, which would be running the bases and playing defense. Uh, but it does sound like he's on track right now, and opening day may even be a possibility. Justin Upton, it looks like he might begin the season on the injured list. He still has this knee tendonitis. And uh, do we need to start dropping Justin Upton in our rankings, Heath, in our drafts? I've actually considered it lately. But the problem was he was already going three or four rounds after I was willing to take him in drafts anyway. So if I drop him, I'm still going to get him. I'm just going to take him two or three rounds later. I, I think he's still a very good option if everybody starts to lay off of him now in the seventh and eighth round, ninth round. I'm happy to take him there. Upton's been a better points league, a better roto player than a points league player. He was the number 30 outfielder in points last year. He's number 20 in roto. Of course, the year before, he was top seven in both formats. Carlos Martinez will start the season on the injured list. Let's go back to Heath. Tell me what uh, the likely scenarios for Carlos Martinez are. It sure sounds like they still want him to join the rotation at some point, but I'm getting very concerned. I heard there was something earlier this week that said May and even included or June. So I don't know that there's e- – unless you've got multiple DL spots, I'm not sure there's even reason to draft him right now. Wow. Okay. Uh, Andrew Heaney will likely begin the season on the IL with elbow inflammation. Remember, it's IL now. It's the injured list, not the DL. Uh, Heaney was, had a 415 ERA through 180 innings last year and struck out 180 batters. He had a 120 whip. Great at home. Pretty bad on the road. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, are you guys in on the Andrew Heaney hype? Scott, are you in on the Andrew Heaney hype this year? Uh, I was. This has forced me to take a bit of a step back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he showed, 
he showed the potential to pitch deep into games with at least a strikeout per inning, which is the main that combination of skills is mainly what I look for in a starting pitcher these days. Uh, it was a very spotty game log in terms of high highs and low lows, but I think the skills are there for him to maybe. I mean, even if he just is who he was last year, that's pretty good, and and maybe there's a step forward. But now it seems like he's probably going to slip to the late rounds because of this injury, and you have to have a IL spot or an injured spot ready to go. Yeah, but I don't know that that might be an overreaction. I mean, this might be a great thing for Andrew Heaney because he might miss like one turn. Now it might be longer. I don't know, but this they are. Yeah, not... we have no idea. That's it's yeah, such yeah. a vague. Such yeah, a vague I think injury. the problem is it's a it's a guy who's really never been able to stay healthy except for last year, and now he's hurt hurt to start this year. Right. And even when he did stay healthy, he was fine, but not particularly great. Right. So it, it's got to be a very late pick. Okay. But they just don't seem too concerned right now about Heaney, but that we get that a lot. Team doesn't sound concerned, ends up being worse than it is, so you don't know. Uh, Pedro Strope thinks he'll be ready for opening day, and Milwaukee relief pitcher Jeremy Jeffress unlikely to be ready to, for opening day due to a shoulder issue. Are you guys treating Corey Knable as if he is the Brewers closer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is this is what clinched it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I I now that there's not going to be anybody to swap out for him in the ninth inning, I think it'll be just be him and if he does what he's supposed to do, I don't know why they'd remove him from the role. I, I'm not treating him as if he's going to be the only closer for the entire season quite yet. Because if I was, I think he'd probably be my number five, six, five or six closer. I've still got him at nine. I do think he's probably going to be the only closer for the first month of the season. I just, I don't trust that there won't be times during the season where Je- Jeremy Jeffress gets three saves in a week. Cesar Hernandez expected to return from injury today. Uh, Alex Reyes is not going to be part of the uh, St. Louis rotation to begin the season. Is there a reason to draft Alex Reyes? Uh, not in like a, not in like a standard head-to-head size league. If you get if you get to a league where like 350, 60 players are rostered, uh, and and you know you're not constantly having to make use of your bench and there's not a lot of great options on the waiver wire, then he's he's a good draft and stash just like you would with a top prospect. Okay, this is pretty big news. Ronald Acuna looks like he's going to be the the cleanup hitter. Those are the trends right now. Ender Enciarte looks like a leadoff hitter. That's going to potentially mean a lot more steals for Enciarte and a lot fewer steals for Ronald Acuna. Is that how fantasy owners should be interpreting this? Uh I I think I think I think NCRT's a safe bet for twenty plus steals. Yes, um, and obviously I'd feel better about Acuna's stolen base chances if he was batting leadoff because you know he he did about half the time last year and stole fourteen of his sixteen bases from that spot. Uh, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion he won't run batting cleanup. Uh, you know, I, I think we're talking about the difference between maybe 12 and 24 steals, like somewhere in that range. And I have him falling closer to the bottom end if he bats clean up all year. But this isn't a year long commitment necessarily either. Right. Yeah. You got to remember what the Braves did last year. I mean, they they were swapping things around all the time. And Enciarte, what while he did steal bases as a leadoff hitter, he was absolutely awful. As a hitter from the leadoff spot, he hit 223 with a 559 OPS 
in 254 plate appearances there. I don't really believe in some hitters are worse hitting leadoff or better hitting sixth or whatever. But with that having happened last year and that large of a sample size, if he gets off to a bad start, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Braves are switching up the lineup again quickly. Seattle sent shortstop J.P. Crawford to the minors. Marcus Stroman is going to be Toronto's opening day starter. Uh, just a reminder, he was in 2017. Stroman was the number 16 starting pitcher in points leagues, number 26 in Roto. He had a great year, probably won't be that good again. But I do like him as a late-round pick in, in points leagues specifically. And Major League Baseball is going to have one single trade deadline on July 31st and a $1 million prize for the Home Run Derby winner. I would love to compete in that just to see maybe, maybe I can get that. I mean, get that. We would all love it if you competed in that. (laughs) And it wouldn't even take that much time. I think they should let you. What if I stood at second base? Do you think, how many home runs do you think I'd hit? Zero. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) And, uh, I don't, I just don't, I don't like the three minimum batter thing. Starting in 2020, uh, relief pitchers have to face at least, all pitchers, I guess, have to face at least three batters. I, I hate that rule. I hate that rule. That rule stinks. Terrible rule. Terrible rule. I don't have much feeling about it. You should. I think it'll. I think it'll make for some interesting strategic decisions, like even more interesting than the kind we have today, where it's you know a little too, a little too lefty righty individual matchup focused. Um, I, I, I'm honestly interested to see some of the ideas managers come up with to to deal with this rule. The thing. Um, the so thing I, I, I think it could be fun. I wonder if it makes them not quite as willing to bring in those guys. And it seems like a lot of relievers start off like Jose Leclerc early in his career, start off with just sometimes an inability to throw any strikes at all. And that kind of puts you in a bad spot. If he comes in and he's having one of those appearances and he walks the first two batters on eight pitches. Sounds like you don't like that. Leave him out there for another batter. Yeah. Sounds like you don't like the rule Heath. I don't really, I don't know. You don't, like. I don't it. care. <laughs> Trust me. You hate the rule. It's terrible. Uh, one thing we all love is March Madness. The madness is here. You can follow it all on CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports HQ is a free 24-hour streaming sports news network. It's going to provide tournament highlights, analysis, and picks. It's really awesome. I actually watch HQ all the time. Uh, it's just a great way to catch up on your sports, and it's going to be great during uh, during the tournament. So uh, CBS Sports HQ, it's always on. It's free. You can stream it live on your devices on the CBS Sports app and cbsports.com. Let's do some fantasy combos. All right, tell me which combo you'd rather have. Let's uh, try to get a shortstop who's going to steal bases. Trey Turner and Cody Bellinger, or Adalberto Mondesi and Freddie Freeman. Turner and Bellinger, or Mondesi and Freeman. Scott, who would you rather have? I would rather have uh, I'd rather have Mondesi and Freeman. I'm not my expectations for Mondesi. I'm not sure he's going to be. All that different from Trey Turner. He's going to lose some batting average, probably. And Freddie Freeman, I think, more than makes up for it. Well, not surprised that you chose that side. How about you, Heath? Turner and Bellinger or Mondesi and Freeman? I think I'd do Mondesi and Freeman as well. It, it's closer for me. And I do think there's probably a significant drop-off in batting average from Turner to Mondesi and likely in run production as well. Um, but I, there's, I think there's a bigger drop from Freeman to Bellinger. And I like Freeman more than Scott does. Okay, let's get a third baseman and a second baseman. Chris Bryant and Jose Altuve, or Nolan Arenado and Whit Merrifield? I'm going to go with Arenado and, and Merrifield. I feel uh, more confident in Arenado being the 
just steady elite hitter, and Merrifield's going to help you a lot in average and steal more bases than Altuve likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just ex- ex- knowing what to expect, I think, from that group is... Like, Brian, I still really don't know what to expect. And even Altuve, I mean, the fact that he's missed so much of spring training with his side injury, I don't think it'll impact his availability, but uh, it, I'd rather see him playing and doing Jose Altuve-like things coming off the year he had. Right, so when I hear that you're taking uh, Arenado and Merrifield over Brian and Altuve, I hear that I sort of think that you should, and maybe you already are, I'm not sure where you stand on this, you should take Arenado over Altuve if you're looking at the fourth or fifth pick. I have Altuve uh, higher, but I have Merrifield, I think, a round higher than Bryant. Okay. I, I do, I do think I have Arenado higher. Uh, but I, I, and, but same thing. I mean, it's a bigger difference between Merrifield and Bryant for me. All right. Let's get a catcher and a pitcher. JT Realmuto and Luis Castillo or Yasmani Grandal and Patrick Corbin. Realmuto and Castillo or Grandal and Corbin. Heath, what the combo are you going with? I kind of hate this one. <laughs> Because I, the problem is, I, I don't have a hard time believing at all that Luis Castillo could be close to what Patrick Corbin is this year. And I really do think that JT Realmuto could be like absolute star in Philadelphia this season with just career highs across the board. A Christian Yelich type, um, got out of Miami breakout. But I think I have to go with Corbin and Grandal. It just, it, it, first off, it feels much more, much safer. Yes, I would also go Corbin and Grandal. Uh, this is this is one of my new sayings. I think the best predictor of being a fantasy ace is having been a fantasy ace before, and only one of those two pitchers has. Okay, and, and Grandal is really, I think, I'm a, I think discounted. Nobody really seems to be giving him a huge yeah. bump. He's going like 130th overall, whereas I I sort of felt yeah, like he'd be in the eighth round or so, and he's just not. Look, there. I think. If, if you look at the, the park factor data, there's not probably as big a difference for left-handed power hitters between his former home park and Miller Park. There is a difference, but it's not very there's big. Diff- that, that park's not yeah. bad for left-handed power hitters. The okay. thing is, he's so geared for power with the, how, how many fly balls he hits at the expensive line drives that, um, you know, just a few more home runs leaving the park is going to make such a difference for his batting average too. And it, you could you could really see it all kind of going up at the same time, all the numbers across the board. Uh, but I agree, like he's his ADP has him behind both uh, Wilson Contreras, which I kind of understand, but also Buster Posey. He's the fifth catcher off the board on average. I think he has to be third. Okay, yeah, definitely. I take him over. He's very close to Posey, um, but Contreras. They're all in the same range. Contreras one twenty three, Posey one twenty nine. Ramos is there too. Yeah, where's Ramos? Oh, Ramos is ahead or behind them? Or right behind them? Yeah, right behind them. I don't know in terms of ADP. Yeah, right behind them. So a big group of catchers there if you don't get one of the top two. You can wait a long time to take to take the number three catcher and beyond. Uh, By the way, playing an AL-only league, (laughs) it's Gary Sanchez and then Danny Jansen is the second best catcher in the American League. Uh, last... But that's like it's like that across the whole infield. Like the yes. NL wallops AL in the infield this year, um, and really, it's it, it seems to be deeper overall. It has less first rounders, but like NL is much deeper than AL this year. 
I found shortstop to be sort of balanced. But other than that, yeah, first base, second base, third base, and catcher. All NL all the time. Last combo. Here we go. A pitcher and an outfielder. Max Scherzer and Charlie Blackman. You can take a pitcher in the first round or an outfielder in the second round. Scherzer and Blackman. Or Yelich and Sale. Who would you rather have? Scherzer and Blackman. This might yeah. be the easiest one. Um, because uh, while I do like Yelich more than Blackman, it's, it's, it's with me being not totally sure how much, how far, how much Yelich really was too good to be true last year. And then the fact that there are questions about Chris Sale's health and velocity this spring, I think make the gap between him and Scherzer pretty big too. Cool. Agree. Heath, good. Yep. Great. Yep. 100%. Wonderful. Awesome. You want to talk more about the three batter rule? I, I did have yet? a question about it. <laughs> okay. Like you bring a pitcher in in the eighth inning with one out and runners on base, and he gets a double play. That means he has to pitch to two batters in the ninth inning, and you can't bring no. your closer in? No. Oh, I, it's it doesn't carry over from one inning yeah. to the next. Oh, okay. Well, then it's fine. It's a fine rule. That, that, that does make it better. That is a good clarification. All right, I want to talk about some spring standouts, guys that are moving up the draft board, or maybe it's just spring training and we don't care. Let's talk about it right after this quick break. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, guys, spring standouts. Uh, Chris Paddock for the Padres has been arguably the best pitcher, one of the best pitchers certainly in spring training. Uh, is he a must-draft guy at this point? I think so. As much as Jesus Luzardo is, uh, I kind of put them in the same boat. They both dominated thoroughly this spring and have are still in the conversation for an opening day rotation spot. I don't know if they'll get there, uh, but if they don't, like at some point they're going to have to preserve their innings, the Athletics, Luzardo, the Padres with uh, Paddock, but it may be a situation where they're on the opening day roster and they send them down later when they're ready to pull back on the innings. Then and then the service time thing is is a non-issue still. So, uh, yeah, I think I think there's a real chance we've seen them both at the start of the year, and they're great for as long as their innings last. The funny thing is, I'm not even sure Chris Paddock has been the best starter for the Padres this spring. Matt Strom has thrown nine innings. He's given up six base runners, zero runs, and he struck out 12. And this is a guy who we've seen have success in the past and actually got his innings up to like 140 in 2017, I think it was, or 2016. So mm -hmm. I, I think, I think he's another guy moving into that range that we, that needs to be drafted even in a points league. You know, it, it's funny when the, when the Padres signed Manny Machado, it's like, Oh, look at this lineup. There's so much potential here. It could be a great lineup, but where's the pitching going to be? Between Paddock, Strom, and Lucchese, Joey Lucchese, uh, that, that's a pretty exciting trio. I, I mean, the innings will become an issue at some point, but inning for inning, I, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're all 
pretty much must draft in a standard mixed league right now. And by the way, the Marlins pitchers have been there. There have been a few Marlins pitchers doing showing exciting potential this spring as well and, and entering the mixed league discussion. Right. You wrote about Caleb Smith, Trevor Richards. Yep. One other guy. I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot his name. Alcantara. Uh, that's not who was in the car. No, it was, uh, it was Pablo. Um, uh, I'm forgetting his name okay. now, too. I'm not the Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez. Yeah. I think there's only room for two of them. My guess is Lopez is the odd man out. But, uh, I mean, we were excited about Caleb Smith early on last season, and he had a lat, uh, a lat strain, a bad lat strain that ended it early. But he, uh, spring debut yesterday, four perfect innings with six strikeouts. Tyler Malley for the Reds. Also, Scott wrote about him. He's making some adjustments to his arsenal. Just He needs to mature as a pitcher. He basically need, needs more of an arsenal. But he did some good things last mm-hmm. year. Um, was fantasy yep. relevant for a very brief time, but there, there's something there to build on. So I guess when you look at these Padres pitchers, these Marlins pitchers, Tyler Malley, I see Jordan Zimmerman's also having a very good spring with one walk, 14 strikeouts, and nine innings. Uh, yeah, I guess who would be the ones that you would single out as actually could be all um, of them. Could be all of them. I just even if we just talked about them, yeah. just say the names that fantasy owners need to have in their queue at the end of their draft or, or toward the yep. end of their draft. So all three Padres pitchers I want, uh, Chris, probably the order I'd draft them would be Chris Paddock, Joey Lucchese, and Matt Strom. Um, for the Marlins, I'm not quite as interested in them, but I think certainly Trevor Richards and Caleb Smith are in that late round discussion. Um, Trevor Richards might have one of the best changeups. We always talk about Luis Castillo having the best changeup in baseball. Trevor Richards is right there and he's, worked on adding to his arsenal and then making it fuller. So he's he's definitely interesting. Heath, anything you wanted to add on that? I think you named them all. Okay. Uh so Austin Hayes, Scott, for the Orioles. Yeah. Yeah, I you might remember he was one of my favorite sleepers last season. He had uh his first full minor league season was split between high class A and double A. The numbers were virtually identical and they were awesome. He hit like he hit well over 300 with 30 homers combined. He even got a call up late in the year and it looked like he was in the discussion for the starting right field job last spring. But then he showed up, showed up, had a shoulder injury early on. His back was bothering him, went to the minors to begin the year and just wasn't right. Turns out he had a, a, uh, he was playing with a hairline fracture in his ankle. Um, that he, uh, you know, he, he, it, it messed up his mechanics. He worked to fix them this offseason. He has been performing this spring like we hoped he would last spring. He looks like he is back. And it's pretty much a foregone conclusion now. He's going to be in the Orioles opening day lineup. I, I think that he's a post type sleeper. I, you know, <laughs> I think it's a pretty safe bet already looking at what else is on the roster. He's there's a good chance he's the Orioles all-star representative, you know, <laughs> like um, I, I, you're talking a five outfielder league. I'd be comfortable drafting him as my fifth outfielder right now because I think the upside is that high. And I think he's showing signs of making good on it after an, an, an easy a year that in retrospect, it's it's easy to understand why it was lost. All right, that is Austin Hayes for the Baltimore Orioles. Heath, I want to ask you about Dan Vogelbach. He was the star of spring training last year, and he barely got any run for the uh, – is that a thing you say in baseball, barely got any run? I don't think so. Um, barely got any playing time for the Mariners. Had a terrible season in like less than 100 at-bats. 
But he leads all hitters in walks, 12 walks, 5 strikeouts, 333 batting average. Uh, Vogelbach, is he fantasy relevant at all? I mean, we're, I think the better thing is we may get a chance to find out because with the Kyle Seeger injury, it sounds like they're going to play Ryan Healy at third base, which I think makes it more likely that Vogelbach gets a shot at DH or first base early in the year. He's going to have to be better because so far what he's looked like is a spring training and quadruple A hitter. He's very good in the minor leagues. He's been disastrous in 146 plate appearances in the majors. Has a 197 average and a 616 OPS. There's a little bit of hope there, but I'd be far more excited about someone like Austin Hayes. All right, and I think it's good to see Adam Eaton is having a good spring, just so I can talk about Adam Eaton, who I was so excited about last year. And here's the deal. If Adam Eaton does not sit against lefties, he's going to give you great draft value. If he does sit against lefties, it's going to be very, very frustrating. He batted just two twenty two against lefties last year, but typically he's not that bad against left-handed pitchers. And Eaton was off to such a great start before an early injury. So I think he has some bounce pack potential. I just want to see him be close to an everyday player. Uh, I think we got to talk about position battles and AL only, NL only. We'll probably finish the show with that. I'm not sure if we're going to have time for your emails today. Uh, I hope I can get to them. But position battles. So CBSSports.com, not the fantasy site, but just the regular media site. On the baseball page, CBSSports.com slash MLB, there was a story with a one position battle for every team. I picked uh, some mm. of the most interesting you know, ones. You know who else has a position battle story, Adam? You? This guy, a top 30. Well, we never talk about your article, Scott. We need to talk <laughs> yeah. more about something Scott wrote. If it were Chris's, I would have, I would have mentioned it for sure. Um, okay. So check out Scott's position battle story. But as I mentioned on yesterday's yeah. show, this was not on CBS, but on Cleveland.com, they projected the Indians lineup and it did not include Greg Allen as a starter. It had Leonis Martin, Jake Bowers, Tyler Naquin, and Hanley Ramirez starting at DH and outfield. So if you're sitting there saying Greg Allen is going to be the centerpiece of my steals, that's risky. So just just know this is not a lineup set in stone, but you, something you know what else is risky? Counting on Hanley Ramirez to be in your lineup. <laughs> yeah. But Greg Allen can't hit, really. He all he, like he can run. So no. Yeah, I'm not sure Hanley he Ramirez can hit. hit. In the he hasn't hit in the majors. Greg Allen hasn't hit in the majors yet. You know. But it is it is a a word of caution because it doesn't seem like they are very excited about getting Greg Allen in their regular lineup and he's more of a fourth outfielder. Okay. I think it's a better better way to say it. But obviously you heard the names. Tyler Naquin, Hanley Ramirez, Leonis Martin. There's opportunity there for Allen to play. Now let's talk about some closer battles that we don't know about yet. Um, White Sox, Royals, Boston, Atlanta. Atlanta's there. So, best guess for the White Sox. Call Uh Best guess. Calvin, for, I, yeah, Herrera's. Calvin Herrera. Back. I'm not even sure he's pitched. He did. Yeah, I think he made his debut. He did. He pitched on okay. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, Royals. Nobody. They, Ned Yost has said he's not going to have a closer. Red Sox, we think Matt Barnes is the favorite as Ryan Brazier's been recovering from a foot issue. Would be nice if Matt Barnes got someone out. Atlanta, they're going to put... <laughs> Wait, he's not doing well in the in spring training? Uh, his first he's outing, not. I think he gave up four runs and got two outs. He's not that good! He doesn't, ha- he doesn't have his curveball yet, which is a spring thing that happens... Sometimes takes a while but, to get the feel for that. But he's not exactly someone with an extensive track record that would make Boston say, well, we don't really care what he does in the spring. We know he's our closer. 
I mean, if he hasn't found the curveball yet by the end of spring training, I might be concerned. But if, you know, all it takes is one outing. Oh, there it is. And I think he's fine. I'm I'm approaching him like he's definitely the closer. I'd be shocked if he was the closer in June or July. Why? I, I just you, they're, they're who else com- is gonna over? You think they're gonna acquire somebody? Yeah, I they do. have to. I do. Yes, yes. And I think Brazier okay. definitely could overtake Barnes because he does walk a lot of batters. He struck out fourteen batters per nine, so that's awesome. But he also walked four and a half. He, he's, you know, Barnes did. Barnes, yeah. Barnes. Brazier's not a big strikeout guy, but he's a better control pitcher. Um, he had a point seven seven WHIP last last year. But Barnes has a leg up. No question you should treat it that way, but I, I think the Red Sox are going to be a contention. I do. They're going to, Felipe Vasquez is going to be their closer. That's my bold prediction. This is the second time I've said that, so now you'll remember it. Uh, Diamondbacks closer? Archie Bradley, because Greg Holland has been awful. And not just in terms of performance, but in terms of stuff. Doesn't look right. Giants closer? It's Bradley, and I'm, uh, I, I haven't heard. I, I still don't know. I mean, Will Smith is the obvious favorite, but Mark Melanson, last I saw, was still in the mix there. Any other closer situations that we need to update right now? No, not that I can think of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, Braves, it looks like it's going to be a timeshare. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Uh, Braves starting pitchers, we talked about this as well. Tuki Toussaint. Is going to be in the rotation, it seems. Kyle Wright's having a very good spring. That's somebody that we're we're looking at as well. Um, could be temporary. Brad Peacock, the favorite to be Houston's fifth starter. Jaime Berea could be the Angels' fifth starter. Dodger starting pitcher, we've talked a lot about that. Ross Stripling seems like he has a chance to be in the opening day rotation if Kershaw's out. Julio Arias could be there at some point. Jeremy Hellickson could be the fifth starter for the Nationals. Brandon Woodruff appears to be the favorite. This is all according to CBSSports.com. Brandon Woodruff, not the fantasy guys, uh, appears to be the favorite in Milwaukee over Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns. Frankie Montas could be the fifth starter for the Rays. Uh, Jordan Lyles could be Pittsburgh's fifth starter. Cattell Marte. So uh, there was a story. Cattell Marte is going to get the majority of starts in center field, according to MLB.com. He will play second base and shortstop when Adam Jones is in center field. And Jones is going to rotate around in all three outfield positions. Jones should pretty much never be in center field. Okay. <laughs> he's he, he can play right and left still, but I don't think he can play center anymore. I think you said Frankie Montas for the Rays, Adam. It's, uh, it's I said A's. the A's. I meant to say the A's. Yeah, A's. Definitely the A's. And that is Luzardo's competition. He's just Luzardo's competition. Ah. Okay. Uh, I, I think so they could probably... probably I think they could probably fit both in there. That's my guess. They have a pretty bad rotation. They've got room for four more starters. <laughs> uh, Greg Bird, Luke Voigt, Pete Alonso, Dominic Smith. Those are the uh, for Yankees and Mets first base battles. We think it's going to be Voigt and Alonso. Carson Kelly. Yeah, I'm not. Oh, go ahead. I feel less confident in both of those. Yeah. Like, I, I think Alonso, um, you know, obviously the Mets GM has been very vocal about he doesn't care about that, uh, the service time thing. That's what he says. But I think when push comes to shove, it would, it, it might be kind of hard to justify Alonzo on the opening day roster, but I expect him to be up before the end of April. Either way. You don't feel confident in Luke Voigt, Heath? Well, I don't feel confident that what we saw from Luke Voigt last year was really real. And Bird's been awesome in the spring. And if they're only go- going to keep one, it's, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. 
Uh, Arizona, we're hoping Carson Kelly emerges there. They, they might use three catchers, Kelly, John Ryan Murphy, and Alex Avila, but we're hoping for Kelly. Cincinnati outfield, Matt Kemp appears to be the odd man out, so it's Senzel, Winker, and Puig uh, looking like pretty regular outfielders. Is that how we feel? If Senzel's yeah, ready. I, yeah, I mean, they're presumably going to try and sneak in at bats for Kemp now and then, um, especially against lefties. But in the long run, I think there's a good chance Kemp is just, they just get rid of him. Just, if Winker hits like he's supposed to. I'm just worried Winker sits against lefties. It's just He'll sit against some for as long as Kemp's around. Yeah. But it, it it's not supposed to be a strict lefty-righty platoon. Okay, Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon. So I took Hanson fairly – Hampson pretty early in the NL-only draft that we did yesterday because, you know, it needs some steals. It's Roto League. And – Based on what Scott said, I feel like Hampson's going to be playing a lot. I just don't know. I, they've both been really, really good this spring, and I think Hampson should just play center field regularly. He can play second base maybe against good lefties when they want to sit McMahon. They can rest Murphy. I, I love that plan that both of them just get 500 plate appearances this year. I, with what we've seen from the Rockies in the past – that doesn't seem particularly likely to me, but that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Uh, Jung Ho Gong, do you guys think he could be Pittsburgh's starting third baseman? Yeah. I mean, they said he had a chance to win the job. His competition is Colin Moran, who I don't think showed the potential of being a uh, a true a guy who deserves to start in the majors. And Gong, I mean, absolutely was before his troubles began. Uh, I, I I don't think by his spring performance you can say, okay, he's he's about to win the job necessarily. He does have four home runs, but those are his only four hits. Uh, but there's potential there, and I like him in, in deeper leagues as a bit of a sleeper. Jung Ho Gong. Okay, Austin Hedges and Francisco Mejia are San Diego's catchers. Hedges very good defensively, so we're not sure. Heath, how much playing time do you think Francisco Mejia is going to get? I, I think that will probably be determined by Francisco Mejia. The nice thing, they have Hedges, who's about as replacement level of a catcher as you can get. So as of right now, I'm expecting Mejia to get maybe 60%, but it, pro- it feels a little optimistic. Okay, we just talked about Dan Vogelbach, and if you look at Seattle, outfield and DH, they've got Hanniger, Domingo Santana, who won't be ready for the games in Japan on the 20th and 21st, I believe. Uh, Malik Smith. Oh no, Santana will. Malik Smith won't be. I apologize. Right. Jay Bruce, Edwin Encarnacion. So, you know, what am I missing here? That's five names plus Vogelbach. So Hanniger's obviously going to play. Uh, then you got Santana, Smith, and Bruce. Are they vying for two spots? I don't. I don't think Bruce is really part of the outfield plans. Okay. But so then, who's DHing? Uh, is Encarnacion playing first base, and Bruce is DHing? Is Vogelbach not playing at all? I mean, Bruce himself could play first base. I haven't seen what he's been playing more this spring. I know he's having a very good spring, Jay Bruce, and um, has a lot of people convinced he's healthy after a year where he wasn't with the with the Mets, and and obviously that led to a huge drop in production. Uh, so there is there is starting to there there's. You're starting to see some enthusiasm build for Bruce. 
but it's yeah, I don't know how that impacts Vogelbach. I don't know how it impacts Domingo Santana. Um, I think that's something we're just going to have to see play out in real time. Right, because because Ryan Healy could play first base as well when Kyle Seager gets healthy, and somebody is going to lose out in that situation unless there's an injury. Yeah, I hope it's not Healy because Healy does not look like somebody who deserves to be starting. You hope he but doesn't maybe. play. Okay. Uh, we got St. Louis outfield, Harrison Bader, Marcelo Zuna, and then there's going to be a little battle in right field. Dexter Fowler, Tyler O'Neill, and Jose Martinez. Uh, please, no Fowler. And Tampa Bay, I don't know if you guys are excited about Austin Meadows, but uh, do you think he's an everyday player? Do you think he's platooning maybe with Avi Garcia? Uh, what do you think about Austin Meadows right now, Heath? I would expect there's going to be a little bit of platoon unless he gets hot. They've they're a team that has probably 30 players right now that should or could be on the roster or in the lineup regularly. None of them have yet, or very few of them, have proven that they definitely need to be all the time. So I, I think he'll play some outfield. And they, like they, they're talking about playing Avicel Garcia at DH a little bit too. Okay, so let's, uh, there are more position battles on the website. Scott wrote a column about it, I just heard. Uh, fantasy, cbsports.com slash fantasy. <laughs> Slash baseball. We got to talk about AL only and NL only. Okay. We do have a good portion of our listeners that play in these types of leagues. I'm going to give a couple of quick things that I like and then I'll, I'll let you guys take it away. Use rosterresource.com or some other website that has depth charts that you trust. They're not going to be 100% right, but they can help. So if you come up on a player and you say, Oh man, is he going to play every day? You know, just take a look at some, some depth chart projections and have that handy, especially for the end of your drafts. I think that in these types of formats, multi-position eligibility is really, really helpful. Jerickson Profar, I like him more in a points league. I'm a little worried about him in general because he did so well at home and he's going from Texas to Oakland. I know Scott really likes Jerickson Profar. But all that aside, he's eligible at uh, first, third, and second, right, Profar? Or short, short, first, yes. Uh, First, third, and short. No, I'm sorry. First, short, and third, yeah. but he's going to pick up second base very early in the season. Right. So that's really helpful. It just it gives you flexibility in the season and during the draft. Cody Bellinger is outfield eligible. Yuli Gurriel I've been taking at first and third base in deeper leagues. Um, I think DJ LeMahieu is going to move around enough where he's going to pick up a lot of eligibility. Uh, Garrett Hampson is not second base eligible yet, but he will be. Even Ben Zobris I took in the NL only draft yesterday. He's outfield and second base eligible. Uh, Daniel Murphy and Reese Hoskins will also pick up eligibility quickly. And yes, that the, the other thing, the last thing I want to talk about, I'll turn it over to you guys for the most part. Again, starting pitchers number 13 through 38 in, in Fantasy Pros ADP, 19 of those 26 starting pitchers are in the National League. So I think I took hitters with each of my four pick, first four picks uh, yesterday in the NL only draft. And I actually like my pitching staff. I have Wheeler, Castillo, John Gray, Rich Hill, Sonny Gray, Jordan Hicks, and Sean Doolittle, and I think maybe Andrew Miller. So I think it's much easier to focus on hitters first in NL only than AL only because so many of those high upside guys that could make the jump into the next tier are in the National League this year. All right, Heath and Scott, tell me about AL only and NL only. Heath, I'll throw it to you first. Don't. Use full roto rosters if you're playing AL only and NL only. <laughs> it's nobody wants to draft two catchers in an AL only league. 
Nobody wants to draft five outfielders. No one wants to have three players on their team that aren't going to have jobs to start the year. So that would be my first advice if you're setting up your AL only, in only league. If you do get into a league like that, I think you just have to accept, like you, you're not going to be able to miss the guys you want or hit on the guys you want at every single position. You're going to have a couple of positions that are just terrible. I am more willing to take risks on the quote unquote injury prone guys or the prospects that are coming up in an AL or NL only points league. Or I'm sorry, in a rotisserie league, because it doesn't really matter if you're in sixth place in that league anyway. And those big hits can make a much bigger difference. In a points league, I'm probably playing it a little bit safer because there's not still not a ton available on the waiver wire, but you don't have to aim quite as high in the regular season. Okay, Scott. Yeah, so you I was going to. I, I was going to give kind of the opposite advice <laughs> uh, in that. I mean, the the more the bigger risks you take, like I. Taking risk in mixed leagues makes a lot of sense when you know there's a waiver wire to fall back on. But in these deeper leagues, there's not. There's you're you're not going to fill holes off the waiver wire. Pretty much, you can just assume it. So I the the players we tend to think of as boring in a mixed league, uh, they end up being ranked high enough that they're even in the discussion because you know they're safe. You know they're going to get a ton of at bats, and those players are ones I tend to gravitate toward in these league specific formats because. Finding at bats, finding innings, that is a challenge in and of itself. And you, if you have players who you know are going to get them, that gives you a really big advantage right out of the gate. And they're usually, they're usually productive major league players. You know, if, if they're, if they're productive enough that they're in the mixed league discussion at all, they're just boring. They're productive players and they're good for this format. Uh, I would also say that the, Things that this, if you're talking about a five, uh, a categories league, the categories that we think of as scarce, which are mainly saves and stolen bases, they're doubly so in these formats. You are going to have to draft a closer much earlier than you're comfortable doing. You may only need one because there's so many few safe sources, so much fewer safe sources to go around. Uh, but you, you're going to have to take it earlier than you want to. And, and I think that's stolen. more true in the NL only for saves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not enough for everybody to get two, so you want at least one, probably shouldn't expect two, but if you get two, great. Steals, um, it's amazing how the guys we're relying on for steals, there, there are so much more in the AL right now than the NL that goes for high-end guys like Trout, Maltuve, Jose Ramirez, and the later specialists like Jonathan VR, Malik Smith, Billy Hamilton, they're, they're pretty much all in the AL. So in the NLs particularly, that's something you're going to have to reach for. I, I feel like the only two great steel sources, um, the ones we expect for 30 or more are Trey Turner and Starling Marte. Maybe you could throw Lorenzo Kane in that mix too. But otherwise you're, you're kind of going piecemeal filling, filling in steals in the NL when AL, uh, you can afford to wait. There, there might be people who overestimate the scarcity just because they don't realize how concentrated it is on that side. And there was an instance in the recent AL only rotisserie mock we did, even knowing how much I like Adalberto Mondesi for his potential to impact steals. I chose the ace, Trevor Bauer, over him in the second round, uh, because I knew I could get steals elsewhere and not sure, wasn't sure I could get pitching elsewhere. 
because after the ace class, the AL is looking pretty weak there. Yeah, and Scott, that's why I took Garrett Hampson. I actually think I did okay in steals. I have Ozzy Albies, Garrett Hampson, Ahmed Rosario, and hopefully I could compete. I'm, I don't think I'm going to win the category, but I did take Hampson fairly early. I took him in round eight in this 10-team league, so that was 73rd overall in a 10-team and a lonely league, and it's a risk. It's a big risk because I don't know what his role is going to be, but I did feel like that was uh, one of my last chances to get a steals guy. So it is scarce in the National League. Uh, you look at first base, the top five first basemen are in the National League. In some order, Freeman, Goldschmidt, Rizzo, Carpenter, Votto. Seven of the top eight are in the NL. And Jose Abreu really stands out in the AL. Same thing with catcher. It's so bad in the American League. It's Gary Sanchez, and then it's Danny Jansen. So, you know, Gary Sanchez and Jose Abreu feel like they are better in AL only than they are in mixed leagues. To me, you guys agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, and Scott mentioned the infield just better in the National League than it is in the American League. Uh, Severino and Kershaw. More likely or less likely Heath to take Severino and Kershaw in AL-only, NL-only formats compared to mixed leagues? Like I said, and I, and I agree with all the things Scott said about AL and those boring players. I just look at that more in points leagues. I'd probably be less likely to take those guys in points leagues. In a roto league, I might be slightly more likely to take them. Okay. Did you find anything that worked for you? We got about two minutes left. Anything that worked for you uh, that you want to share with our listeners in these drafts? I felt like outfield was a lot more plentiful in the AL. I, I wish I wish outfield were just more plentiful in general. <laughs> it's like don't don't just sit there. Ah, outfield, I can wait because okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, here, it, here here are my outfielders in AL only: Stanton. And then I waited a long time. So I did wait. So you tell me if this is a good enough outfield. Stanton, Piscotti, Jorge Soler, Leonis Martin, and Clint Frazier. Martin, I think, is a 20-steal guy if he stays healthy. I think it looks like a lot of people's outfields will look in a five-outfielder league-specific format. Uh, but that's I think that's where you feel the scarcity of outfields the most. Five outfielders, league-specific We've talked before on the podcast about how I've been filling up my infield early and going with upside outfielders late. I didn't do that in these drafts. I had, I think I had four outfielders in my first eight picks in both. So wow. I pretty much filled up the outfield as much as I could right away and relied on the depth in the infields, which worked out better, I feel like, in, uh, in the AL actually, even though the NL appeared deeper, um, you know, on the high ends of infield spots. But I'm not disappointed with the way either team turned out. I, 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 I think it's an approach I'd take again, going heavy on outfield early. Again, we're talking five outfielder leagues. In a three outfielder league, it'd probably be a very different story. I think if you do a, a three outfielder league with one catcher and you do a 10 team league, AL only, NL only, I'm not big on these types of leagues, AL only, NL only, but I think that's fine. I mean, I think you can get enough good players. You're not really reaching. Um, you don't have to start a backup catch or anything like that. So I think those leagues can be really fun. So, so give it a shot and go to our website, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. See the results, see what may have worked and what did not work, and uh, figure out how you feel about some of our teams. Uh, I'm sorry we can't spend a little bit more time on it. Please feel free to send your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We are done for the day. We're going to have a little bit of a later show tomorrow because we are doing a live draft on the air. Get excited. It's going to be a head-to-head categories draft. We will talk to you on Friday. Thanks to Scott and Heath. I'm Adam. See you Friday.